Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to Psalm 86. Psalm 86. The 86th Psalm this morning. Let's go ahead and read these 17 verses as we continue our study through uh, the book of Psalms. This theme has been our, our thought. This is my story. This is my psalm. And we've been picking a psalm here and there. This is our ninth message. And so we've not been going one through 150, and we're really just kind of picking as the Lord directs. And I de- definitely felt led here to Psalm 86 for this Sunday. Follow along with me, if you will. Bow down thine ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am holy. O thou my God, save thy servant that trusteth in thee. Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. Rejoice the soul of thy servant, for unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer, and attend unto the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. Among the gods there is none like unto thee, O Lord, neither are there any works like unto thy works. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. For thou art great, and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. I will praise thee, O Lord, my God, with all my heart. And I will glorify thy name forevermore. For great is thy mercy toward me. And thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. O God, the proud are arisen against me. And the assemblies of violent men have sought after my soul and have not set thee before them. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. O turn unto me and have mercy upon me. Give thy strength unto thy servant and save the son of thine handmaid. Show me a token for good that, that they which hate me may see it and be ashamed because thou, Lord, hast hope in me and comforted me. As we get into this psalm, let me remind you where we were last Sunday. We were in the sixth psalm, and we considered this thought, from tears to triumphs. Started in tears and ended in a triumph there in Psalm 6. And I would say that is a common theme throughout the book of Psalms. Uh, A psalm often begins with anxiety distress, difficulties, and then that psalm will end up with a calmness, a peace, a joy, a victory. And um, as we look through Psalm 6, we recognize it was classified as a penitential psalm or a psalm of repentance. And there, were, there are seven psalms that are known as penitential psalms. I gave those to you last week, Psalm 6, 32, 38, 51, 102, 130, and 143. And I reminded you, and I'll remind you again today, Graham Scroggy encourages us to read one of those psalms every day so that we'll have a heart of repentance. And we'll be familiar with repentance and asking the Lord to forgive us 
of our sins. Now this morning we get into the 86th Psalm, and it's also part of a small grouping of Psalms. There are five in this grouping, and they're not in chronological order or grouped together, but they're known as the prayer Psalms. Now I would say that the Psalms, uh, almost all of them could be considered a prayer in some fashion, but these, these particular five psalms are given this distinction because of the superscription. If you look at your Psalm 86, and right between the listing of this psalm and the first verse, you'll see that superscription, which is part of the inspired scripture. And it says, a prayer of David. <clears throat> and there are four other psalms that have some type of a title in that fashion. Psalm 17, Psalm 90, which we already studied, a a prayer of Moses, Psalm 102, and Psalm 142, along with Psalm 86. Now this particular psalm, Psalm 86, is unique in the fact that it appears to be a psalm that David has borrowed many phrases from other scriptures. There are at least 20 psalm portions that David has put into this psalm. Uh, He's borrowed phrases from 20 different psalms and 20 different portions of psalms. He's also quoted from the book of Deuteronomy and the book of Exodus in this particular psalm. And so he's using other scriptures in this prayer. Now that's a thought I want you to think about this morning including scriptures in your prayers, verses, phrases, um, passages of scripture that we would pray in our prayer. And I would say this, as long as they are genuine expressions from our hearts, I believe there's much virtue and value for us to include God's word in our prayers. Now with that thought, let me balance it with this thought. Uh, we are given a model prayer in the, in the Gospels. In the book of Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 11, there's a portion of Scripture that many call the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Are you familiar with what I'm talking about there? Many people will quote that as their prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy will be done in, as in, earth, as it is in, in, in earth as it is in heaven and so on. And really what that passage of Scripture was there for was instructions on how to pray. In Luke chapter 11, the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. And he says, you'll pray in this manner. And he goes through this. And so it wasn't so much a prayer to be repeated verbatim as it was to show us how to pray. Uh, It's a guide to prayer. In fact, I've shared with you that little acrostic before. Let me share it with you again quickly here. They're using the word pray. You might want to write this down. I think it would help you in your prayer life. Uh, I know I use it frequently. And I take that letter P, and, and, I, and I use that with the thought of hallowed be thy name, and I take time to praise God in my prayers. I, I take time to adore him, to worship him, to lift him up. 
I praise God for his, uh, his attributes, and I praise God for his holiness. I praise God for his goodness. And I want to spend time in my prayer life praising God for who he is. That letter R, it correlates with the phrase in that model prayer, forgive us our debts. And so it stands for repentance. Let me remind you that all of us have the same problem. It's called a sin problem. And sin is the great hindrance. It's a divide. It's a separation between us and God. And sin must be dealt with. And so there must be a season of repentance in our prayers, asking God to forgive us of those things that we have done in that day or in the days uh, prior that would bring a hindrance in our prayer life. Praise, repentance, the letter A correlates with this thought in the model prayer, give us this day our daily bread. It reminds us to ask, to request, to bring our supplications from God. We'll focus much on that in the 86th Psalm, so I won't spend a lot of time here. But would you agree with me that we are a people with many needs, great needs, and we need to bring those things to God. And then that letter Y correlates with the thought of thy will be done in earth. And it's the idea of yielding or submitting to the will of God. I ask him for something, but I'm yielding myself to his will, what God wants for me. And I trust him, even if his answer is different than what I asked. By the way, if it's different than what I asked, he's right, isn't he? And we trust God. We yield to his will, and we trust the Lord. And so praise, repent, ask, yield. Is it wrong to quote the model prayer? I would have a hard time saying that is wrong, but I think I could say this, that you're misunderstanding the purpose of that passage of Scripture if you just quote the model prayer as your prayer. For you to have a fuller and greater understanding of that passage, I believe it is a, used as a, not as a prayer, but as a guide to prayer. When I was a youth pastor... Uh, I took our teenagers one year down from New Hampshire to Tennessee for a youth conference, and we got down there early on purpose to do some activities down in that area. And one of the activities I wanted to do was to take our young people spelunking. That's another name, the fancy, the technical name for caving, going into caves. And I told our young people, we're going to go caving, we're going to go spelunking. And I thought they'd be all excited, and they're like, why would we do that? Why would we go underground? And I said, it's going to be great, trust me. And so we did, but I just didn't go there on my own and find a hole in the ground and say, come on, gang, let's go. I found people that had been in there before. I found people that had, uh, that had explored that cave before. Now, after I found the people, I questioned how often they had been in there, to be honest with you. But we survived, and we got all the kids out eventually. But uh, uh, we went through there with guides. And the purpose of those guides was to make our trip more beneficial, more enjoyable, uh, successful. And this morning, I want to preach to you here with this thought, a guide in prayer. A guide in prayer. Do you ever feel this way, that your prayers are just not very successful? 
that they're not benefiting or being as effective as you think that they should be. And I'd like to use Psalm 86 as our guide today to guide us through this, this discipline of prayer, this privilege of prayer. And let me emphasize that. What a, what a privilege to pray, to come into the presence of God. Do you realize how significant and how, how miraculous that is? That you and I, as his children, have access to God, have, a, have an audience with God. When we desire and when we go, we can go before the creator of this universe. But we want our prayer life to be effective. And so to do that this morning, I'm going to ask four questions from this passage of Scripture and try to give you some answers from this passage of Scripture. Number one this morning, why pray? Why should we pray? Well, the answer to that, as we'll see, is that we have many and great needs. We have many and great needs. Notice the needs that David presents here in Psalm 86. Notice verse number 1. Bow down thine, uh, thine ear, O Lord. Hear me, for I am poor and needy. Verse 2. Uh, preserve my soul, for I am holy. What he means by that, I'm sanctified. I'm, uh, I'm part of, uh, through Jesus Christ or through God, I, I am an unholy individual. He says, O thou my God, save thy servant that trusteth in thee. Verse 7, In all the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee. And then verse number 14, O God, Thou, the proud are risen against me, and the assemblies of violent men have sought after my soul and have not set thee before them. This probably brings it down to the crux of the matter of what David's specific issue was. Again, his enemies are after him. Now, whether that was an enemy from a foreign land, another kingdom and another king, or that may have been someone from in his own kingdom, sometimes within his own family. David, as we rehearse his life, had many enemies and people that were against him. And he is now going to the Lord asking for prayer because he has many and great needs. I believe many of us would agree with David that we are people of many and great needs. Unfortunately, we do not often respond as David does. Prayer for many of us, get this, is our last resort instead of our first option. Isn't that ashamed of us, ashamed for us? That we would, in our last moments of desperation, okay, I've tried everything else and that's not worked, now I'll pray. When in reality, when the, when the, when the need is realized and the, the situation is presented to us, we should immediately bow our hearts and bow our, our, our lives before the Lord and come to Him in prayer. But we often refuse to do that because of pride. Now, it has been an emphasis of several messages recently, this fact of our many and great needs. But I'll remind you today of the greatest resource available to us is prayer. Your greatest need today is salvation. As we talk to this audience today and those that are watching on our live stream, I wonder today, have you... Have you taken care of that greatest need in your life? 
where you realize that, that, that sin had separated you from God and, and that, that your sin was going to cause you to spend an eternity separated from God and you submitted yourself to the Lord and you called upon the Lord in repentance and faith for salvation. Yesterday morning we had a funeral here at Heritage and, and I was able to preach the gospel and we praise the Lord for three people yesterday that responded in faith to receive Christ as their Savior, recognizing their need and calling upon the Lord. And I wonder today whether in this room or on our, our, our live stream today, do you recognize your need for salvation? And Christians, even though we're saved and even though we're God's children, we still live in a world and in a, in a place that is imperfect, that presents to us many problems and difficulties. We have folks in this room that are facing major health crisis and, and, and surgeries and, 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 and treatments. And we have folks in this room that are struggling with their, uh, their, their finances or their careers, their jobs. And we have folks in this room that have family issues. Life is full of struggles. We have needs, but we can pray. We can bring those things before God. So why pray? We have many and great needs. Well, who do I pray to? Well, David answers that for us, but we could summarize it with these two words, God alone. God is who we pray to. David recognized who could answer his request and his many and great needs. Notice with me verse number four. Rejoice the soul of thy servant, for unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Notice verse 5. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Drop down to verse 8 and follow down through 8, 9, and 10. Among the gods there is none like unto thee, O Lord, neither are there any works like unto thy works. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. For thou art great and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. David is recognizing that there is only one true God. Now that might not be difficult for us today, but let me remind you, David, David was living and serving in a time when idol worship was frequent he, he, he grew up in a, in a people that often struggled with idol worship and worship of false gods. David, that was a part of his life, that was a part of, his, of, his, of, of the region that he lived in. And David recognizes that there was one God, one true God. And he recognizes him in this fashion, that he was good, that he was ready to forgive that he is plenteous in mercy, that he is great, that he does wondrous things, that he is full of compassion, that he is gracious, he's long-suffering, he's plenteous in mercy and truth. We sang a hymn this morning, Hallelujah, what a Savior. And we could say, Hallelujah, what a God. He is all these things that David recognizes for us. So why do we pray? Because we have many and great needs. Who do I pray to? God alone. How do I pray? David lists here 
four or five words that I want to share with us today, or he doesn't say these words, but these thoughts here. And how do we pray? First of all, we pray fervently, fervently. And I'm speaking of the intensity of David's prayer. There is a desperation throughout this psalm that if, David, that if God does not respond, David knows that he is going to fail, that he is going to be in trouble, that he is not going to be delivered. And so he prays with a fervency. David prays continually. Look at verse number three. Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. It reminds me of our New Testament passage, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. That verse that we often memorized at summer camp because it's three words. Pray without ceasing. And, and, and we memorize that, but do you get that? The idea is not that we pray nonstop, which would be impossible to pray 24 hours a day, but that we are praying in a continuous fashion. The idea of this is that we're praying over and over and over and over again. We are praying without ceasing. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus gives a parable there where a man has a guest show up late at night at his house and he has nothing to offer him to feed him. And so this man goes to his neighbor's house and he knocks on the door late at night. And the man sticks his head out the window and says, what do you want? He says, listen, I have a guest that's arrived. Will you please lend me some food that I can take care of him? He says, it's late. I'll get you something in the morning. Go to bed. My kids are my family in bed. Go away. And what does he do? He knocks again. He says, please, will you give me something so I can take care of my guest? And they have this conversation. And then the scripture gives us this word, the word importunity, where it says that he continued to knock. He continued to plead. Then Jesus goes from that, that parable into this thought. Knock and ye shall receive. Seek and ye shall find. Listen, the Lord wants us to have a continual prayer coming to him over and over again. An importunity. One of the people described it. It's described as that nagging cough that just continues. It's there. It's over and over again. Many of us are experiencing that in this season. And when you have that, would you think of that a thought of, being continual in prayer. David also prays worshipfully. Notice verse number 12. I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify thy name forever. Prior to receiving the answer, there is worship. That is trusting God, isn't it? glorifying God and praising God for what he's going to answer, not knowing what the answer is going to be. Oh, to pray in that fashion where we can trust God, believe God, and worship him in advance. It reminds me there of the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 20 where Jehoshaphat leads the nation of Israel into battle. And prior to the battle, prior to arriving in the battle, they worship God. They thank God in advance for what he's going to do. And David worships in prayer. 
There's humility in David's prayer. David mentions in verse number 3 and verse number 16, he says, Be merciful unto me, O Lord. Verse 16 again, he says, Oh, turn thou, uh, turn up unto me and have mercy upon me. This idea of mercy again is not getting what we deserve. David is admitting that, Lord, I, am, I appreciate and I am grateful for your mercy. David in this passage will admit his own weakness in verse number 16. Oh, turn unto me and have mercy upon me. Give thy strength unto thy servant. And then David calls himself a servant both in verse 16 and verse 2 and verse number 4. All of these are signs of humility in David's life. That he needed the mercy of God. That he was weak. That he was just a servant to the Lord. Displaying humility. How do I pray? We pray with faith. Verse number two again, preserve my soul for I am holy. O thou my God, save thy servant that trusteth in thee. Verse seven, he says, thou wilt answer me in the last part of verse seven. And then verse number 17, show me a token for good that they which hate me may see it and be ashamed because thou, Lord, hast hope in me and comforted me. That word hopen is an old English word that means to aid, to surround, to secure, to help. And again, David is praying in faith, knowing that the Lord will comfort him and help him in his time of need. Why do I pray? Because we have many and great needs. Who do I pray to? To God alone. How do I pray? Fervently, continually, worshipfully, humility. And in faith. And what do I pray for? Well, David prays for four things in this passage of Scripture. First of all, he prays for salvation. He says it again in verse number 2, Save thy servant. In verse 16, he says, uh, uh, Have mercy upon me, and give thy strength unto thy servant. Save the son of thine handmaid. He prays for salvation. He's praying for deliverance from his need. But he also prays for joy. Look at verse number four. Rejoice the soul of thy servant. For unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. David's praying for joy while he's going through this difficulty. Listen, it's, it's difficult to have joy during the trials of life. But it's something that we can have in our life. It's something that can be there. It's a spiritual attribute, this love, joy, peace. These are spiritual qualities that can be there in all seasons of life. And David prays, Lord, as I'm going through this trial, will you give me joy? David speaks for education or prays for education that he would learn what God is trying to teach him. Verse 11 Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. He's going through this trial. He says, Lord, would you teach me? Would I learn what you want me to understand? By the way, do you realize God does allow circumstances, difficulties, trials in our life simply to teach us lessons so that we'll learn? And David says, let me learn this. 
But notice this final thought this morning. What do I pray for? Salvation, joy, learning. But he also prays for this, that God would be glorified. What a thought here. That in our trials and our difficulties, that we would pray that God would receive glory. Verse 9, all nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. Verse number 12, I will praise thee, O Lord, my God, and with all my heart, and I will glorify thy name forevermore. To think that God would allow me to go through a difficulty, a trial, simply to bring glory to his name. By the way, God's allowed to do that. We belong to him. We are his, and God will allow and, and, and is able to do these things simply to bring him glory. And David is praying that these things would be accomplished, that he'd be delivered or for salvation, that he would go through the trial with joy, that he would learn what God is teaching him, and that ultimately God would be glorified. You want your prayers to be more effective? Well, then bring your needs before the Lord. Pray to God and God alone. Pray fervently. Pray continually. Pray worshipfully. Pray with humility and faith. Pray for deliverance. Pray for joy. Pray for learning. And pray that God would receive glory. It's been said, you're either in a trial just coming out of a trial, or getting ready to go into a trial. Those are encouraging thoughts, aren't they? But you can pray your way through a trial. You can pray your way through these difficulties. And I trust you'll use this guide, this guide that David gives us on how to have effective prayer lives. In church, we live in a difficult and a trying day, but we have a God that is able to deliver a God that is able to teach, a God that is able to get glory through these things. And we need to be people that submit ourselves to him and trust him with these matters. If you're here today, you've never received Christ as your Savior, you don't know Christ as your Savior, let me encourage you today that you'd make that your greatest need and have that need met today through Jesus Christ. We'd love to share with you from the Bible how you can have that need met through Jesus Christ. Be our honor and our privilege. Christian, you're here today. What are you going through? What are you struggling with right now? That need can be met through the Lord Jesus Christ through prayer. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today? Jan is going to come and play a verse of invitation, but this is a guide to prayer. And we're going to encourage you today during this invitation to exercise this great privilege, this great honor of prayer. You know the needs of your heart right now. You know how the Lord's dealing with you in that need. And we'd encourage you to respond by faith in prayer this morning. You can pray there at your pew, bow your heart before the Lord, or you may want to bow your knee right there at your pew, or you may want to come to the altar this morning. You may want to pray by yourself or you may ask that someone pray with you today. But the greatest thing we want you to do is to take advantage of prayer.
I wonder this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed, how many of you would admit with me that we just don't take advantage of prayer like we should? That it's often the second or third or fourth or sometimes last option instead of our first moment? Anybody else ever feel convicted in that way? I just don't pray like I should and you'd raise your hand with with your pastor this morning. Don't pray like we should. This is an opportunity to rededicate and and to reemphasize this great privilege of prayer. Father, I pray for this moment of invitation, God, that you would help us today as you work in our hearts. Lord, that we'd be obedient. Lord, to bow our hearts before you today, to bow our knee there at our pew or here at this altar, to seek assistance today, God. Whatever it is that you're working in our lives, help us to be obedient to you. Lord, I pray that through this invitation, God, that we would be people of prayer and, and then, Lord, through the trials of life, we would continue to be people of prayer. And Lord, we'd have effective, successful prayer lives. So, Lord, take these few moments now and, Lord, as you've worked in someone's life today, may they be respond in obedience and do as you've called them to do in Jesus' name. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, as the piano begins to play, would you stand this morning where you're at? The Lord has spoke to your heart. The altar's available. Your pew is available. Be obedient to the Lord and let's be people of prayer. <laughs>